Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Being a Fan of Disney podcast. I'm your host, Cody Haber. This episode features a class discussion we had about the Walt Disney Company produced movies and the movies produced over the history of the company and all of the subsidiary companies that encompass or make up the Walt Disney Studios offerings today. It was a really fun conversation and I really hope you enjoy it. Please come along with us on our adventure. So, all right, welcome to class. Um, this week we are talking about, this is the first week talking about movies. Um, this week we'll talk about the corporate movies, the movies that the corporation has made. We'll go through a list of some of the movies, um, touch on some of the highlights. Next week, we shift our focus to fan-made movies. And fan-made movies are essentially a way to display your fandom and display your affiliation, your identification with the brand. So um, you'll see in my email next week um, about some of the, the various speakers that we have and also optional content that you have if you want to listen or you want to watch any of those fan-made movies or fan-made videos. So, but first, what I want to do, as I said, um, we from time to time would use Kahoot. So, if you have Kahoot um, on your phone, go ahead, enter the, the pin, let me know when you are in. Um, and we will go from there. And also, if anybody wants, has to do it on the website or wants to do it on the website, um, it has the email address up there as well. Um, so, and this will be something that we won't do every time, um, but it is a, it's a good way to start the discussion um, with different topics. And toward the end of the semester, we will have a trivia day um, where that's what we'll do for the class is we'll have a trivia, a Disney trivia contest that spans movies, parks, acquisitions, anything that we talked about in class. All right, let's see how many, who is not up here yet? Who's still trying to join? There's 13 people. All right, so we are ready to go. All right, so these are going to be on Disney movies, all right? They're created movies. Some of them are also acquired movies, acquired brands. You ready? First question. Walt Disney's first full-length animated feature was Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Pinocchio, or Snow White? Snow White. 12 of you got that one correct. Yes. Snow White, the first animated feature, full-length animated feature from Walt Disney Studios. Also the first full-length animated feature um, produced at, in any company. 
if you read um, biographies on Walt Disney, they have some very interesting stories, particular to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, over the, I believe it was five years it took to um, produce the movie, um, up until about a year before the project or a year before the release, they still hadn't decided on all of the names of the seven dwarves, what they were going to be. And so it's kind of fun to see some of the, the names that were thrown out there. Um, also, this is something that doesn't happen really today when everything is computer generated. We can create <clears throat> models and we can create um, like models from hand, but we can also create computer models. But when they were making Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and up through many of their, most of their early movies at least, um, they actually had live actors come in and they would act out the scenes and then they would animate from there. They did that so the animators could get a realistic view of what the prince should look like, what Snow White should look like. Um, they brought in, when they filmed, or when they were creating and producing Bambi, they brought in live deer into the animation studio so artists could draw what a deer would look like. So yes, question one. Snow White was the first full-length animated feature by Walt Disney Studios. Question two, the first Pixar full-length animated feature was Finding Nemo, A Bug's Life, Toy Story, or Monsters Incorporated? Toy Story. I remember seeing Toy Story for the first time, and it really was one of those experiences that you thought things have changed. The way this looks, compared to the way animated features used to look, something is changing here. Um, and it's been a whole lot of fun to watch. Since then, every new project that Pixar comes out with, um, it's been fun to read and or listen to histories of Pixar and their relationship with, as I said, Steve Jobs previously, his relationship with uh, Michael Eisner and kind of reaching that, I guess, the lowest point in the early 2000s where Pixar actually was contemplating becoming essentially a free agent, not distributing their movies through Walt Disney Studios. And then when Bob Iger took over um, and became CEO, his attempts, his massive attempt to get back in the good graces of Steve Jobs. And remember we talked about one of the first things they did in their meetings um, was that's when Apple was releasing the iPod Plus or iPod Shuffle. I can't remember what it was called. Um, it was the first, it was before the iPhone, and it was the first handheld device that you could watch television shows or movies on. So as an olive branch, and a way to start this relationship with Steve Jobs, Bob Iger agreed to put some of the 
popular ABC shows on the Apple service, like Desperate Housewives and um, Grey's Anatomy. So, and then the, just kind of the work he put in to foster that relationship, which eventually led to the purchase of Pixar, which brings us to our next question. First Pixar movie released under the Disney Pixar label. Was it Cars, Toy Story 3, Monsters University, or The Good Dinosaur? Yes, 10 of you were correct. Cars, Cars was released in 2006. Disney officially purchased or acquired in, 2000, uh, in 2006 before uh, Cars was released. And so before that, um, I'll say a bonus. I'll say bonus points, but you really can't get bonus points, or at least I don't know how to do that on Kahoot. What were Pixar movies? What label were they released under before the acquisition by Disney? So Disney acquired Pixar in 2006. Cars was the first movie to be released under the Disney slash Pixar label. Every movie since then has been released under Disney slash Pixar before 2006. What were movies released? What label were they released under? They were released under Walt Disney Studios. They were released under Walt Disney Studios. They were a Pixar production. Um, and essentially what happened was Pixar um, wanting to make their first full-length feature film movie. Um, they entered an agreement with Walt Disney Studios that Walt Disney Studios would, and the Walt Disney Company, would um, promote and distribute their films. So because of that, they were, if you technically, it was Walt Disney Toy Story, a studio or a Pixar Studios production, if you look at the technicalities like that. And because of the, at the time when Toy Story was released, um, the popularity of Toy Story really turned the heads of the, end, of the whole industry, but really turned the heads of people at Disney as well. Disney wasn't real sure how successful it was going to be, so much so that they really didn't produce any toys or merchandise for the movie until right before the movie was released. Now you think about it now, you have a movie called Toy Story, you are ripe for making toys for children to buy, right? The whole basis of the movie deals with toys and what happens when you are not in the room. But because they didn't know how successful it was going to be, they were late to the game in producing these toys, which some say was oversight and some say in practical terms actually turned out for the better because when the movie was released, you had people flocking to stores and they wanted these toys and supply far out, I'm sorry, demand far outweighed supply. So 
as soon as they started being able to ramp up um, production of the toys, there was a constant stream of people wanting to purchase those toys. Kind of reminiscent to what happens every Christmas or every holiday season where the biggest toys, um, they only make a limited number of those so that they can create this sense of demand. And the reason they do that is if you are a parent or you have younger siblings or nieces or nephews and you know how bad they want a toy, if you go to the store and it's not there and you can't find it, um, there's two things that are gonna happen. One, maybe you go online and you start looking for it other places and you overspend, you know, you get on eBay and you spend a whole lot of money on a toy um, that they want, or you're at that store, you feel guilt, so you start purchasing other things. And a lot of times you purchase more than maybe you would have in the first place to kind of make up for the fact that they didn't have the toy the kids wanted, right? Anybody who's purchased toys for any young children, you probably understand this to a certain extent at least. Then after the holiday season, and this isn't, this isn't exclusive to Disney, this is what the industry does, the, toy, the manufacturing of the toy industry does. After, and many industries do, but after the holiday season, what happens? Now the toys are readily available because what's gonna happen? You're gonna go back and you're gonna buy that toy now because you didn't get it earlier. So that's one of those influence factors that uh, manufacturers and promoters and marketers are very, very good at um, because they have long studied how we operate as consumers. Um, another really cool thing, because this is the last question on Pixar, Another really, really cool thing about Pixar is every movie that comes out, do you know there are um, technological advances in each one of those movies that have real world implications? And they actually have people that, <clears throat> excuse me, they have researchers uh, in their research and development department at Pixar who they actually write academic papers on all of these as well. And it talks about the um, the advances in technology and how that can be used for practical reasons. Um, one of the, my favorite examples is when cars first came out, which also was the first Pixar movie, Disney Pixar movie, that was seen as it wasn't um, as big of a box office uh, success as some other movies. Um, people, some people believe that they focus too much on the racing culture and that, you know, uh, takes out a lot of people that may have otherwise liked the movie. But one of my favorite examples of the technological advancement is if you watch the beginning of that movie and as soon as they open up, uh, Mac opens up his trailer and Lightning McQueen starts to roll out, you see it. You see the reflection. Um, does anybody know what I'm talking about? You could see the lights of the stadium that they're racing in and other cars reflecting off of Lightning McQueen. That was the major technological advancement of the time of that movie. There were others, but that was a major advancement. And the practical takeaway was supposed to be <clears throat> that you could apply this 
to other modeling, other computer modeling, and it would help with things like safety. Um, for example, if you were in the military could use this and, and their models, they could, and rather than having to program everything that was surrounding that object in real time, they program everything at the beginning and they, pro they program this reflective technology and then they would supposed to be, supposedly, be better able to see what is around that object that's reflecting on that object. So it's just one of those really cool things I think that every movie that comes out, there's a major technological advancement and not just for entertainment, um, for non-entertainment reasons as well. And then, um, we'll, we'll, save, we'll save the other Pixar note for later. All right, question number four. First Walt Disney full-length feature to be filmed in Europe. Was it Swiss Family Robinson, Treasure Island, Blackbeard's Ghost, or Pollyanna? Be very impressed if you get this. Hey, eight of you got that one right. I <laughs> did anybody know or did you just guess? <clears throat> because blue's your favorite color or Treasure Island looked good. So, yeah, it, it was, so it is, it's the first full-length feature filmed in Europe. It's also uh, was Walt Disney's first um, full-length um, live-action feature. The reason behind it is very, very interesting. Uh, World War II was going on at the time. The Walt Disney Company had, <clears throat> excuse me, started working with slash volunteering slash being told to work with the United States government. Um, and so during that time, and you can find some of these on Disney Plus, um, they were making movies and they were making animated shorts uh, about like Donald Duck paying his taxes to try and get people in the United States to pay their taxes to help with the war effort. Um, they were also doing things like designing insignia for different military outfits. Um, a lot of the planes at the time, still some today, they, their insignia were designed by Walt Disney. So some of them have Walt Disney characters in them, but a lot of them were also designed by the company that didn't have them. Um, and so, they were, the company was strapped for money at the time. Live action is much less expensive to produce than animation. Um, and the number of hours and human power and then also just the monetary resources that you're going to spend. So they wanted to produce a live action movie because that was going to be cheaper. Um, however, at that time also, uh, in Europe, they were putting, a lot of European countries were putting heavy tariffs on entertainment or anything that was imported into the country from the United States. And so it was not going to be cost effective. It was going to be very cost prohibitive to film a live action movie um, in the United States and then try to distribute it overseas. 
which is why they ended up filming Treasure Island in Europe um, and making it their first live action feature film. Now, the last question, maybe the most difficult one. If you had to pick one movie to watch 10 times in a row, which would it be? Avengers Infinity War, The Little Mermaid, Toy Story 3, or The Lion King? The Lion King. I want to hear why. Who picked The Lion? If you picked The Lion King, why would you want to watch that 10 times in a row? As compared to some of these other movies. The music is beautiful. Okay. I'm t you're, you're talking about the, the original animation? Anima yes. okay. Great, it is great music. Uh, the live action, the CGI. I heard that they really cut down the Scar song. Um, I heard they cut it down significantly. So you know, I can't really remember. Yeah, Ruby said that she didn't feel as scared listening to it. I mean, even, you know, being. Yeah. Um, the age that we are now, she didn't feel as intimidated by the song as she does for the one that's in the animated movie. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. The, the, we call it live action, but it's really the CGI created, especially with Lion King. There's, you know, there are not humans in that to be live action. Um, it's available on Disney Plus for people to watch. Um, it's a, it's a, I liked it. Um, it felt like I was watching a National Geographic, like, documentary or program, except they're all talking and singing Lion King music. <laughs> Like, it looked very real. And I know a lot of people criticized it, um, but I really, really liked the movie. Uh, other people, why The Lion King? Like she said, the soundtrack, so having songs in the movie makes it easier to watch, in my opinion, because you get to like, sing along have that sort of aspect of entertainment. Infinity War is too long to watch 10 times in a row. Um, uh, the, like, Lion King, I think, is my favorite movie of its time, like during that uh, section of time. Mm -hmm. I think it's better than The Little Mermaid in, in my opinion, in every aspect, like the story itself, the characters, and the songs. I enjoy it better than The Little Mermaid. Um, and the, like, I feel like even when I rewatch it, there's always more, there are always things that I'm noticing in liking that I haven't noticed, and I don't have the scar song memorized. There are too many long words, so 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 watching it ten times in a row would help me memorize that. Okay, all right. Um, well, the main thing that I really like about The Lion King is that it has this really big theme of like family and like how um, how everyone is like connected in some way, mm -hmm. like the, the circle of life song, and this is probably just me, but I had the Lion King one and a half, like, recorded on my TV, so I would always go back and watch it, so I really like Timon and Pumbaa, okay. <laughs> like, in all the movies that they're in, so that's a big plus for me. Alright, all right. anyone else? So there were three people who did say The Little Mermaid. If you said The Little Mermaid, why? Um, Ariel is my favorite princess. Um, I used to watch that movie on repeat all the time when I was little. My mom told me that she got sick of watching it with me. 
Um, I think The Lion King makes me too sad, so I don't know that I could watch it ten times okay. in a row. Because either I would cry every single time or maybe desensitize to it, I guess. So, but I just love The Little Mermaid and the songs. And okay. Because you mentioned The Lion King being sad, does anybody know what story The Lion King is based on? Well, it's a it's a Shakespeare play. What's his name? Hamlet. Hamlet. The the son believing he was responsible leaves, and then the return and having to defend his take over his kingdom. Um, other people that said the Little Mermaid. And then there was one person who said Avengers: Infinity War. Who was that person? Do you want to defend your answer? <laughs> no one does have to defend your choices. Thinking in my head was like, I don't want to watch any movie ten times in a row, and I especially don't want to watch movies ten times in a row that has music that's musical. That's just me. I get annoyed by that. Like I've never listened to a house ten times in a row, maybe twice or three. But ten is like I get annoyed by the song like at the end of the tenth one. Okay. The only reason why I'm okay with watching Avengers uh, Infinity War because I did it with Endgame. Okay. I wanted to get this to like. Okay. All right. And every every time at the end of Infinity War, you think every time Thor's going to make the right decision, and every time it ends up the way that it does, right? So let's see. Just for your own. Hadidi in third, Vivian in second. Chris in first. Alright. We're just kind of an abrupt stop to the music there. <laughs> so uh, Yes, what is D twenty three? Well, so D23 is the official fan group of Disney. And they, they do, they hold events that because their fandom has gotten so big and because these events have gotten so large and are so popular that yes, Disney does choose D23 to disclose some things uh, like theatrical releases, or projects that they're working on, theme park editions. Um, I believe Galaxy's Edge was first announced at D23 Expo. So it has become um, the, a, the kind of flagship program from it is the D23 Expo that people recognize. Um, but you can belong to D23 and you can belong to it um, for free and there's also paid membership levels to belong to it as well what we are using it for is to go through the list of Disney films um, and there are a lot of them and there's a few things that I want to point out first 
We started in 1937 with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. We talked about that. And then you look, it was three years until Pinocchio. And Pinocchio and Fantasia came out in the same year. Fantasia was going to come out before Pinocchio. However, has anybody seen Fantasia? The original? So what Walt Disney, the man himself, wanted to do with Fantasia is... Um, it was the concert project or the concert piece. And his vision was to create a feature length um, film that would have interchangeable parts. And so you could show this in a theater and it could be something that was continuously running or something that was running for six or seven months. Or you would bring it back every six, you know, six months out of a year, that type of thing. Um, so it would resemble more like museum exhibitions um, that are in cities for longer periods of time. Um, and the reason he wanted to do that was you could switch in and out different segments. So there was a new show every time, or there might be a new one or two new segments every time that would get keep people coming back. Because remember, um, you saw things in the theater. You didn't see things outside of the theater um, in 1940, right? It's relatively new that we see things. I mean, it was Michael Eisner in the 80s when he became CEO um, and Frank Wells and, and others around him that actually made the decision to start releasing old Disney movies on VHS. Before that, a movie would be released um, then they would have their VHS release and then it would go into what Disney called their vault. And then every five or seven years, they would release it again in the theaters to try to get more theatrical or more money from their theatrical release, release it again as VHS and then put it back in the vault. It really wasn't until the eighties that widespread distribution of old Disney movies really started. Um, which is one reason as a, uh, I was a young child in the 80s um, is one reason I am such a major fan of Disney and especially I've seen a lot of the older Disney movies because in the 80s is when they started releasing a lot of those old movies like Blackbeard's Ghost and Treasure Island and things like that they would release those on VHS um, so but the other thing with Fantasia is Walt Disney wanted a special um, audio system to be installed in each theater so that people could get the um, optimal viewing experience from the movies. Um, and that was cost prohibitive to a lot of smaller theaters. And so it took a long time to get the movie released and to um, bring it to market. And it ultimately, because it was so cost prohibitive, a lot of places couldn't show it. They couldn't afford to show it. So it didn't make a lot of money. Um, so in that same year is when they released Pinocchio. Um, and then you look, the next year was The Reluctant Dragon. So Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, they made a whole lot of money. They built their um, headquarters that are still, they still work out of today. Uh, after the Fantasia experiment 
Um, they really needed something that they could kind of do a little less expensive. So this is the Reluctant Dragon is the first animated slash live action movie. And the story was they had um, about 25 or 30 minutes of a Reluctant Dragon cartoon or an animated feature that they could use. Uh, but rather than release it as a short, they wanted to release something as a feature length. So they used live action and the story of somebody who goes to, they have an idea about to make a movie of the Reluctant Dragon off of the story or off of the books. And they go to the Walt Disney Studios and they take a tour around Walt Disney Studios. And the whole kind of guise or purpose of this movie, this person is trying to find Walt Disney to present the Reluctant Dragon idea to Walt Disney. But he just ends up going around um, different areas of the property, um, meeting with people in animation and set design and painting. Um, and then when he finally meets Walt Disney at the end, um, he actually watches, he, Walt Disney invites him to watch a preprint or a print of a feature they're about to release and it is the Reluctant Dragon. Now, at the same time, in 1941, <clears throat> excuse me, they were, they used this for promotional purposes. It essentially was a video of a tour of the Walt Disney Studios um, because people from the success of their animated shorts, but also from the success of Snow White and the Seven Doors and Pinocchio and to a lesser extent Fantasia, People were, <clears throat> excuse me, starting to write their interest in coming to the Walt Disney Studios and having tours of the Walt Disney Studios. And rather than having to staff and the logistics of giving people tours of the studios um, and then also the impact that if you gave live tours of the studios, very few people could see them rather than if you made a movie about it where more people would be able to see it. So that was the purpose behind that. And then we see going down through the rest of the 40s, we have movies like Dumbo, Bambi, Saludos Amigos was created in collaboration with the United States government. Um, Saludos Amigos uh, and the Three Caballeros. Victory Through Air Power was the first, <clears throat> excuse me, feature that was created for the war effort. Um, the United States government was afraid that South America would um, start to align, South American countries would start to align with um, the Axis powers in World War II. So they sent Walt Disney and some of his artists and writers down and they took a tour of South America in many South American cities which is where we get Saludos Amigos, and then uh, two years later, The Three Caballeros, um, which is, if you've been to Epcot, and you've taken the riverboat ride in the Mexico Pavilion, that riverboat ride is based on The Three Caballeros. Uh, then we go down, Make My Music, a series of shorts that were put together, because this was another thing that Dis the Walt Disney Company was doing at the time. They could, rather than releasing short animations 
um, they could put those together, they could package them together, and they could be feature-length films. Um, so, Make My Music in 1946, the very controversial Song of the South was released, and we talked about Song of the South um, before in this class. And so, Fun and Fancy Free, Melody Time, and Melody Time was another uh, musical made up of um, different shorts. Um, it, it tells it tells the story of a lot of uh, American kind of folklore. So dear to my heart, and the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad in nineteen forty nine, and then we get to Cinderella in nineteen fifty. So I want you to notice as I I will start scrolling through here, and I want you to notice the years and the number of movies that are created in a year. So we're at 1950. In the 40s, there was pretty much, the early 40s, there was one movie a year. Sometimes one movie every two or three years. By 1949, there were two movies. In 1950, Cinderella was at the same time as Treasure Island, which we talked about in our Kahoot. Um, and then as we scroll through, I want you to look at the number of years. So 1955, there's four movies that are released. Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier, Lady and the Tramp, an animated feature. The African Lion was a um, a Walt Disney real world adventure. Uh, so that was a documentary. And the kind of precursor to um, the Disney nature movies that we see now. And also, when, how many people have been on the Jungle Cruise at either Walt Disney World, Magic Kingdom, or at Disneyland? So the original intent for the Jungle Cruise, um, Walt Disney wanted to have live animals on the Jungle Cruise uh, until he was convinced that in Southern California and later in Florida, uh, people or animals would not be out at all times of the day um, so people wouldn't be able to see them um, also that could be very very dangerous however what ride specifically at Walt Disney World can you go on where you can see live animals how many people have been to Animal Kingdom the safari ride at Animal Kingdom. Um, that is what that kind of fulfilled that original intent of the Jungle Cruise. Um, and if you want to watch stories of that, they have a behind the scenes attraction um, episode about that one, I believe. They also have a series about the Animal Kingdom and kind of it gets into a little bit of that, but most of the series is actually about um, their animal care at the Animal Kingdom. So through the 50s, they start picking up the movies that they are releasing. They're also, as you can tell, releasing a lot of uh, live action movies. 1959, Sleeping Beauty was released. Now, what's interesting is the castle at Disneyland is Sleeping Beauty Castle. Right, the castle at Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World is Cinderella Castle. So when Disneyland opened, and they opened um, with Sleeping Beauty Castle, 
the movie had not come out yet, wouldn't come out for about four more years. Uh, Third Man on the Mountain. Has anybody ever been to Disneyland and ridden the Matterhorn? Have you ever seen the Matterhorn bobsleds? Okay, that's based on the movie Third Man on the Mountain. So here is Swiss Family Robinson in 1960. And you can see we're starting to pick up. In 1961, there's seven movies released. And again, a lot of these being live action because it was more cost effective or less cost prohibitive, maybe I should say, to do that than animation. The Aristocats in 1970. Black Hole in 1979 was really going to compete with what movie came out in 1979 that was a huge success. A science fiction movie based in space. Star Wars. Star Wars. It was going to be Disney's great competition with Star Wars uh, when it was released. Didn't necessarily work out that way. Um, I guess Disney won in the end anyway. Oh, Tron 1982 if you are a fan of um, this movie or you're a fan of the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World they are getting a Tron light cycle roller coaster uh, that's going to open I believe in 2023 I believe is when that one is opening uh, it's a very popular roller coaster in Disneyland I believe it's Disneyland Shanghai that they brought over to the American uh, parks. So then, right here, 1984, is when Michael Eisner comes over from Paramount um, to be the CEO of the Walt Disney Company. He really did start to see himself as, or I should say, according to insiders and people that worked with him, he really started to see himself as a modern-day Walt Disney. So he would make the introductions to movies and to television series um, the way that Walt Disney would when he was create when he was first doing his Disneyland broadcast and Walt Disney's World of Color broadcast. Um, one thing that he did that was very, very helpful for the company. We already talked about how. Um, when he took over um, his advisors, they made the decision to release old movies on VHS, right? At that point, there had already been about 50 or so movies made. Um, and so they made the decision rather than just release every five to seven years in theaters and try to get money there. And then the VHS sells from there. If they released everything or they released a large portion of their vault, um, at given times on VHS that they could make more money from that. Um, but you'll also see in 1984 by the movie Splash, which has anybody ever seen the movie Splash? I actually watched it uh, Monday to, to remember. It's a, it's a fun movie. You'll see Touchstone, Touchstone Pictures. People, do you remember Touchstone Pictures? If you've watched any of the movies from the 80s or 90s, um, 
you probably have seen the Touchstone logo. So this, when they came over in 84, they created the Touchstone logo uh, or the Touchstone brand and label to allow the company to make um, not to make movies focus more toward adolescence, the upper teenage, the young professionals, and the, the more mature audience. To get away from, or not get away from, but to be able to tap into this market while keeping the Disney brand as that kind of wholesome family entertainment brand that everyone recognizes. And remember, we have talked about the movie Splash already in the semester. Does anybody remember why we talked about it? I'll give you a hint. We were talking about an attraction that is being rethemed at Disneyland and Walt Disney World Magic Kingdom. Splash Mountain. Michael Eisner wanted the attraction Splash Mountain to be based on this movie. This movie is about Tom Hanks meeting Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah is a mermaid. She comes to, she's able to walk um, the earth for six days. Uh, it's not exactly the same story as The Little Mermaid, um, but she's able to walk the, the streets of New York for six days. It's a love story, um, and it ends like most um, love stories or romantic comedies of that age did. Um, so, was it exactly something that the Imagineers thought would fit into a Disney park. Um, given the kind of more mature nature of the content um, and also the live action nature of the content. So, and remember, we talked about um, driving to work one day. Um, Tony Baxter had the idea that you could <clears throat> create a log flume ride to check a box that Michael Eisner wanted using a bunch of animatronics, audio animatronics that weren't being used from closed down attractions to create a ride. Uh, they were all, they were not gonna call it Splash Mountain at first. I believe it was gonna be called Chickasaw Mountain or something. Um, but as a way to sort of negotiate and meet in the middle, they ended up calling it Splash Mountain. Which, to most people riding it, makes sense because of the big splash at the bottom of the hill that you go down. Uh, but so 1984, we see Touchstone. So you'll start to see from here on out um, some Touchstone movies, and then a little bit later, you'll start to see uh, more from other labels as well. Like look at 1986. 1986 and 87. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 Touchstone movies were released. Other than that, there were about four movies released um, from the Disney label. So Touchstone was really, really taking off. Um, and Adventures in Babysitting, being uh, Thor's first appearance in a Disney movie um, from 1987, the, the character Thor. Um, who Framed Roger Rabbit in 1988? How many people have ever seen that? So Roger Rabbit was going to be, like, he was going to sort of be Mickey Mouse number two. He was going to have a very, very large presence 
in the parts. Um, if you've watched the movie, the movie is more um, adult themed than I think a lot of parents would be comfortable having their children watch. It was, it, it was part animation, part live action, but it's more adult themed um, than what you would want your, your G-rated audience watching. Um, and so for some of that, but also some financial reasons and everything else going on in the company at the time um, with expansion in other areas, they decided not to put as big of an emphasis on him. However, you can see him still in the parks. If you go to Hollywood Studios in Orlando um, and um, you're walking by the lake where Gertie the dinosaur is, if you look over to your left, um, you can actually see the offices where Roger Rabbit jumped out of the window. So in one of the office windows, there's a, a cutout of a Roger Rabbit sized or shaped cutout in the window where he would have jumped out. Yes, 1989, The Little Mermaid introduced what is known as the Disney Renaissance. Um, before that, Disney animation had um, kind of fallen on tough times. They had spent a lot of money on different various projects that didn't make a lot of money at the box office. Um, the uh, Black Cauldron being um, kind of the, kind of, I don't know, the, the main example of that era, I think. And if you've ever, if you ever watched The Black Cauldron, man, is it scary. Like, it is a scary, scary movie um, as a especially for an animated feature so uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg comes in uh, he kind of starts leading the animation department they lead them into the Disney Renaissance later toward the end or the start of uh, Michael Eisner's sort of downward trend with the company um, his number two had passed away in a tragic um, helicopter accident he had had a heart attack um, and so he became much more uh, reliant on kind of the metrics and everything of the company and doing and making decisions uh, using those methods um, also at the same time Jeffrey Katzenberg um, had vied for the number two position at Disney which ultimately led to a very large, very public, very dirty um, kind of breakup amongst the two, which also gave rise to <coughs> animation. Um, Jeffrey Katzenberg, along with Steven Spielberg, were two, were two of the three people who started DreamWorks Animation. Dick Tracy in 1990 was another movie that was supposed to be a very, very big hit. Had a very large budget. Um, Warren Beatty um, starred as Dick Tracy. He spent a lot of his own money on that movie based on the Dick Tracy comics, if anybody's ever seen those. Um, Dick Tracy was a comic character that was a detective. Um, and the movie, they spent a lot of money didn't really make a lot at the movie theaters though. So we get into the 90s. Um, see, 
Beauty and the Beast in 1991. Hollywood Pictures is another label that um, was being integrated. The Mighty Ducks in 1992. And we talked about the Mighty Ducks as well. Um, anyone know why the Mighty Ducks movie exists and the link it has to a professional hockey team? The story goes, Michael Eisner's sons um, really, really liked hockey and he wanted to produce a hockey movie, thus the Mighty Ducks. At that time, Disney was also vying to own an NHL expansion team. They were awarded an NHL expansion team, which is where you got the what's known now as the Anaheim Ducks. It originally, they originally were called the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. And um, in Mighty Ducks 2, the second movie, which you can watch on Disney Plus, they actually play in the same uniforms as the original Mighty Ducks uniforms did. Now, when the team sold the company, uh, I'm sorry, when the company sold the team, um, they got rid of the Mighty part of the title. Um, so now they're just the Anaheim Ducks. You see Aladdin in 1992. Again, we have a lot of Touchstone, a lot of Hollywood pictures, products being released. And then the 1990s were known as, were being coined as the year, or the Disney decade was the 1990s. This also about 94 is where things started to kind of trail off and we had uh, the, the death of uh, the mid 90s. We had the death of Frank Wells and we had um, the very public spat and breakup with Jeffrey Katzenberg. And so things really started to trail off at that point. But 1994, we did get the Lion King. Um, and then if you look Nineteen ninety-five. Look at the number of movies that are being released in nineteen ninety-five, including Judge Dredd, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Hollywood Pictures, and then nineteen ninety-five, Toy Story. See, you do not see Pixar in parentheses here because it was a Disney Animation production. It was a it was Disney Animation Pixar. I'm sorry. Disney Animation, Toy Story, a Pixar production. Um, but that is really what started to change the industry. And based on the popularity of Toy Story, Disney also was trying to dabble in this new computer-generated animation and these features. Um, but you keep going down and you look at Touchstone and Hollywood Pictures again, starting to put out a lot of, just a lot of movies, a lot of live action movies, including Flubber, if you've never seen it, great. An American Werewolf in Paris. And that takes us, A Bug's Life, the second Pixar production, released in 1998. Toy Story 2 in 1999, that takes us up to the 2000s. Dinosaur in 2000. 
that was at this time in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, the relationship between Disney and Pixar was taking a sharp downward turn. Where Disney initially had a, a deal, a distribution deal with Pixar to release three movies, Pixar uh, felt they did, they reached that obligation or fulfilled that obligation with Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2. Disney came back and said, no, you've only created two because Toy Story 2 is a sequel. And so it doesn't count. So you owe us more movies. So they re-upped um, and they started, they, they got into a new agreement, um, but that relationship was starting to dwindle. So as I said, Walt Disney Pictures and the Walt Disney Company, they're, we're trying to work in this computer animation, in this computer generated animation. Dinosaur in 2004 being the first product of that. Um, also, if you've ever ridden the dinosaur ride at Disney's Animal Kingdom, it's based somewhat on this movie. Aladar is in the movie, in the ride, I should say. Uh, and you, like, you can see some of the. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou, Pearl Harbor, uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, the animation. Um, but you see, like, the, the diversity of the company's offerings at that point. Lilo and Stitch in 2002. We watched that movie not too long ago. Treasure Planet, also in 2002. Shanghai Nights from Touchstone Pictures in 2003. Um, and then you see Hollywood Studios, or I'm sorry, Hollywood Productions kind of drops off here. You do see Walt Disney Studios as kind of a subsidiary label. Touchstone label is still around, but they soon will start to drop off as well. You see they're not making as many movies in the mid 2000s. Um, and then we get to Cars. The first Disney slash Pixar production, as we said. Uh, but look at the number of movies that are being created each year and being released each year, um, especially from kind of the mid 90s up till today. And just very striking the number of productions that are being put into, being put out to the public. Uh, 2015 Tomorrowland, a great, uh, a great movie. If if you have time to watch it on Disney Plus, I really really enjoy it. Uh, let's see, let's scroll back up, and I just want to make sure I'm saying the right thing about. Uh, so when was Iron Man released? 2008. You don't see it on this list, huh? So. When did Disney purchase Marvel? 2011. <coughs> so after they purchased uh, Miramax in 2010, you see the, the label Miramax? That is the disgraced Harvey Weinstein label, um, which Disney got out of 
that was a subsidiary, or I should say they had agreements with Miramax, later got out of that agreement. Um, but the first movie that was released under the Marvel logo, that Disney, right there, Marvel's The Avengers, was the first movie that they released that was distributed by Disney. Before that, they were distributed by um, Iron Man, I believe it was Paramount, wasn't it? Um, uh, the Incredible Hulk, Universal, still, Universal still owns the rights to the Incredible Hulk. The reason we don't see an Incredible Hulk standalone movie. Then we had Thor and Captain America all being released um, with Paramount. The Avengers still, I thought, used the Paramount logo as well, but they were getting into more of the distribution with, it was actually distributed by Disney. So that was the first dis distributed movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then Iron Man 3 in 2013, so you, you're gonna see these start to pick up as well. Disney Nature in 2014, um, I believe Bears was the first Disney Nature movie to be released. Where is the Star Wars The Force Awakens, the first Lucasfilm released under the Disney logo, or I should say distributed by Disney. So with, it's, here's an interesting story about, it deals with the acquisitions that we talked, or I guess that you watched the content last week. There's a reason why it's called Disney Pixar. But it's only called Lucasfilm or Marvel. It's not called Disney Lucasfilm or Disney Marvel. Um, when Disney acquired Pixar, they wanted John Lasseter and Ed Catmull to also run Disney Animation. Now, John Lasseter, obviously no longer with the company um, since 2018. Um, but they wanted, for reasons that um, I'm sure people know about um, very good reasons why he's no longer with the company, but they wanted those two to be in charge of Disney animation. So they made the decision before every Pixar movie, they were going to first show the Disney castle so they could have brand equity from people coming over from Pixar to help with the Disney animation. And then they would show the Disney, I'm sure, sorry, they would show the Pixar animation after that. And every movie would be released as Disney slash Pixar. They didn't do that with Marvel and Lucasfilm because they were afraid that fans of the Marvel brand and fans of Lucasfilm um, may see that as Disney trying to kind of take over the properties and not paying respect to the original properties. Which, by the way, I, I almost wore my lapel pin for the TVA. Great shirt. Great shirt. Time variance of Thor. I almost had, I, I chose between that one and this one. And if you can't tell, this is, it's a small world. It's one of the Disney keys, but, um, so I, I'm, thanks for, I'm glad I saw that. So you can see through 2018, 2019, when the Lion King was being released. Um, and then this list ends with Onward in 2020. 
which coincidentally was, I mean, after Onward, there was a long gap of movies that were being released. Also at the same time, excuse me, there were no theatrical movies from Onward until, what was the next one being released? Uh, maybe Move On, because Mulan was released day and day. So you had like from March till, I believe November, October or November, something like that. Um, so you had a really, really long time, obviously because of the pandemic. There's also something else that will be very interesting to see how this list is updated in the future. How do you count movies released on Disney Plus? And how do you count movies that are, are labeled a Disney Plus original? Um, you know, has anybody ever read the books Artemis Fowl? Okay, there's a, there's a movie Disney created or produced Artemis Fowl that was released straight to Disney Plus. I've never read the books. I didn't really understand the story. Um, it's entertaining. Um, that's all I can really say about it. It's entertaining on a just the level that I went into it thinking, yeah, let's see how this is. Um, but kind of the, the future is, what people are talking about is the future being, hey, maybe these big tentpole movies will be, they'll continue to be released in the theaters. Uh, Marvel movies will still continue to be released in the theaters. Lucasfilm, hopefully pick, Disney Pixar movies start being released in theaters again. Um, they, they do have planned for the next ones to be released in theaters. Um, because, specific to, to Pixar again, when Bob Iger um, became CEO, Right before he became, or right before he was officially announced as CEO, is they were at um, Disneyland Hong Kong opening, and he was watching the parade come through, and most of the characters that people really resonate or really resonated with people were Pixar characters, and then like the classic Disney characters. But over the last ten or fifteen, twenty years, there weren't a lot of Disney characters that people were really identifying with. And in the early 2000s, if you asked families, because Disney did, um, who had more, which company or brand they had more trust in, Pixar was the company or the brand they had more trust in to provide family entertainment than Disney. So all of those things are what ultimately led to, again, uh, Bob Iger's pursuit of the Pixar brand and the Pixar company. Um, but so moving to today, again, we don't know what the future is going to look like, right? Shang-Chi did well in this third weekend. I believe in its third weekend, it got 60% of the box office. It's, it's holding strong, it's doing very, very well. So maybe that's evidence that at least Marvel and MCU movies are going to do very well in the theaters moving forward. Um, and it's not all just pandemic related either, I think, because as people become more comfortable and people learn how, I guess, living in the new normal and what that looks like, um, will people return to the movie theaters in the same fashion that they did? I don't know. I mean, it hasn't really happened yet 
for movies other than Marvel movies or these big tentpole movies. And again, we also should point out, people are fairly certain, not just me, people are fairly certain that if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, Black Widow would have made a lot more money than it did. Shang-Chi would be making a lot more money at the theaters than it is. So they are definitely being affected, negatively affected by the pandemic, but they are also the kind of a glaring examples of what movies could do um, in this pandemic and possibly move into the new normal. I was going to say, this is just kind of a thought, but I wonder if um, animated movies specifically might see less money in the box office because like with Marvel for example those are action films and a lot of times when you go to the theater you want the surround sound you mm -hmm. want the really sound immersive experience whereas with animated movies those are the kinds of movies you can see yourself staying at home with your family and watching on Disney Plus for example so that's just a thought of mine that I think it's going to be interesting to see how the box offices turn out for animated movies yeah. with the turn of the pandemic yeah I mean it's a great it's a great thought because if you look, and, and there's, there's some data to back that up as well. You look at what some people refer to as rewatchability, or one metric that people use with, or the companies are reporting in streaming services, because no one's really having to report <coughs> numbers yet. They report it if they're good. They don't report them if they're bad. But they will, they will report minutes watched. And when they come out with lists of the top 10 movies based on minutes watched, animation, animated movies are typically toward the top of that. Because you do have younger children who you're watching, they're watching with their family, or sometimes maybe um, parents or guardians or uh, cousins, older cousins are saying, here, I need to do this you go watch this movie and a kid, you know, they might have it on loop and they might watch it two or three times in a row. So that's a very, very good point that we'll see what it looks like in the future. And we'll see what it looks like in what I think, I, I sort of feel like we're in the new normal now. Like we're not still approaching the new normal. I feel like all of this has been the new normal for a few months now. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens with all of that. Um, that maybe the large movies are still released in theaters. Uh, maybe some of the smaller movies are as well, but maybe they're only given 17-day exclusive window or seven-day exclusive window. Or maybe we do start to see this last, this week, Bob Chapek has gone on the record saying that talent um, deals are going to look different moving forward based on the streaming services and I think based on how the company handled um, the Scarlett Johansson situation and her lawsuit. Um, whereas if you, you know HBO Max or Warner Brothers has been releasing their movies day and date on HBO Max all year, right? When they released Wonder Woman 84, which I believe was the first either the first or second movie that was being released on day and date um, in theaters and on HBO Max, they negotiated with Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot before they released that movie. Um, so they were compensated for that movie and they've done that with their, the people starring in those movies. Um, 
And so talent deals will look differently moving forward. Uh, and maybe, maybe we will start to see more day and date releases coming back. Uh, it's, I can say in my situation as someone who has two younger kids, it is really fun to, it's really, really fun to go to the theater with them because they love that. But it's really, really fun to kind of create that theater experience at home as well. And something new comes out and you're, you know, you can kind of create this almost like a home red carpet experience for them or premiere experience for them, uh, which is really, really fun. So we'll see where it all goes from here. We don't know. Um, any other comments or questions before we wrap up? with the company movies. Okay, yeah. Um, last Wednesday, after class, I went and watched Shang-Chi in theaters, and it was amazing. It's Shang very... Shang-Chi's probably like top three favorite characters now, and I definitely would have voted for him in the bracket. I, I know, we, when we do this the next time, I think he's gonna go a lot farther in the movie. I think we'll go a lot farther in the bracket because it, it, it as far as the standalone movies, um, not like the team up movies, like the Avengers movies and, and things like that. It is a really, really good movie. And it is, as I said, to me, it's, it's top three origin movie about a character. It is very, very good. Um, it, it's very, very entertaining. And, you know, we have the Eternals coming up. November 5th as well, which has a 45-day um, theatrical exclusivity, um, and then it will be released on Disney+. Plus. The last thing I'll say is November 12th is Disney Plus Day, um, and because November 12th, 2019 is when Disney Plus originally launched in the United States and on several other international markets. It's still not available everywhere around the world now. But 2019, November 12th is when they released it here. And uh, so last October, or I'm sorry, last December, I believe December 10th, was Disney Investors Day when they announced the whole slew of upcoming Lucasfilm and Marvel and Walt Disney Animation projects. Um, this year, they rightfully are using a creative branding and they're creating Disney Plus Day, which will, I guess, be an, an annual thing every November 12th. And so on that day, they're going to, that's when Shang-Chi will be released on Disney Plus for all subscribers. Um, they're releasing a, a, that's when also Jungle Cruise will be released on Disney Plus for all subscribers. Non you don't have to pay Premier Access. And they're making a lot of their announcements then. So if you are a fan of any of these brands, that's a day to pay attention to what they're going to be doing. Um, they're, they're one putting out a separate um, program. It kind of sounds like a promo program of upcoming Marvel uh, or discussing the future of Marvel on Disney Plus that day, along with a lot of other products. So it'll be a really exciting day to see what's the future of the company of their offerings and what's the future of these associated brands that they've acquired over the years.
Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Being a Fan of Disney podcast. I'm your host, Cody Haver. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining us and listening and to say that I hope you found the information, whether content covered in class or interviews with guests, fun, informational, entertaining, and even inspiring. If you want to follow along with the class, you can do so by following me on Twitter at chaverphd. That's C-H-A-V-A-R-D-P-H-D. Or by joining the public group on Facebook, Being a Fan of Disney. If you want to engage with any of the guests we've had in class, their contact information is included in each of the show notes. So again, thank you for joining us. It was a great time having you. If you like what you hear, please share this out so other people can engage with the information, possibly learn more about their Disney fandom and their love for all things Disney related. With that, thank you again and have a great day. Thank you.